right, if you would take your Bible then and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I heard about a preacher that got up and preached, said he was full of his subject, and he preached on the devil. Well, I'm not going to say I'm full of my subject, because the topic this morning or the subject is learning to be content. That's something we learn. Philippians chapter 4 and verses 10 through 13. Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So the title of the message this morning is Learning to be Content by the Experiences of Life. Learning to be Content by the Experiences of Life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again. For your word, we thank you for the instruction that it gives us. We thank you for the examples that are written therein to help us to understand the instructions that you give us. Father, I pray as we look into the word of God this morning, we allow you to teach us, and instruct us, to mold us, to shape us, transform us into the image, more into the image of your dear son that you might be glorified in and through us, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Learning to be content by the experiences of life. You know, James 1 tells us that we're to count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the triumph of your faith worketh patience. If you let patience have her perfect work, you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The word content here means to be satisfied, to ease of mind. Uh, the idea of satisfied with one's place in life. You know, it, it means to be independent of external circumstances. In other words, your circumstances don't control you. They don't control you. Or, you know, you're not controlled by your circumstances. Uh, and... and I'm gonna. I have three main points this morning. All begin with the letter I. And um, and so uh, coming from this passage, first of all, the first one is I have learned. The second one is uh, uh, I have learned. I, I uh, um, what's yeah? What's the second one? I am instructed. I'm sorry. I am instructed. And the third one is I can do. So I have learned, I am instructed, and I can do. So let's look at these this morning. First of all, as we think about learning to be content, he says, and I have learned, verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want. Of course, he's talking here about the Philippian believers who had uh, given and communicated. We're going to see further on in this chapter as we, we continue this next week, next week, that they gave to his uh, wor- mission work, uh, his missionary journeys to supply his needs, but... They, they hadn't for a while because they lacked opportunity, not because they didn't want to, but they lacked opportunity. 
But he says in verse 11, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. You know, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you wish that you could say under inspiration of the Holy Spirit that I have learned to be content in all circumstances? Wouldn't that be a wonderful way to live? But that's what Paul is saying here. I have learned in what's first state I am therewith to be content. The word learn here means to learn by use and practice, to be in the habit of, accustomed to. It means to acquire knowledge of or a skill in by study, instruction, or experience. You know, Titus 3.14 says, let, us, let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. Hebrews 5.8 says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. You know, we often say this, he learned by the experiences of life, and we often call it the school of hard knocks, right? The, the school of experience. That in, in, and, he, and Paul says here, in under inspiration, I have learned in whatsoever state I am. Wherever, whatever, you know, it refers to the condition or person of thing as respect to the circumstances to being content. And so he says, that wherever or whatever I've been involved in or wherever life leads me, I'm content. Now, when you read the testimony of Paul's life, that's a very challenging statement for someone to make. Because he gives us several things that he had learned, conditions that he had learned. First of all, he had learned how to be abased, how to be abased. You notice in verse 12, he says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abat. The word abased, to be abased means to be humble or to be humbled, to, to abase oneself by frugal living in the passive of one who submits to want. Metaphorically, or the word picture here, is to bring into a humble condition to reduce to meaner circumstances or little circumstances. You reduce one. To, to assign to a lower rank or place. Now, you know, we're talking about one who assigns himself to a lower place or rank. It's used in the same word as translated humbleth in Luke 18, 14, where Jesus said, I tell you this. In other words, listen up, people. I tell you this. This man, speaking about the publican, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself should be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. In other words, he assigned himself a lower rank. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, is what he said. And for Paul, to be abased meant several things. And he, he describes them here. He says in verse 11, Not that I speak in respect of want. 
want. It meant to be abased meant to be in want. It means to suffer need. Uh, he uses that word again in verse 12. I know both how to be based and know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. The word suffer need is the same word. It means to be in poverty, to be in meat. Uh, to Paul, if it, it was a choice of being right with God or choosing the easy, affluent way, he chose being right with God. You know, Joseph had needs. He could have chosen to be evil like his brother. Daniel had needs. He could have chose to pray and be a lion's dinner, or he could just not pray for 30 days. Yeah, surely you don't need fellowship with God for 30 days. Surely God would understand. But you know, it was a prayer life. I want you to think about something. It was a prayer life and fellowship with God that saved Daniel's life and the life of his friends and all the magicians and all the soothsayers in Daniel chapter 2. See, Daniel was going to be slain with the rest of the wise men in Babylon, but because Daniel was a praying man, one man walked with God, one man in fellowship with God, he was able to reveal the secret of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. But for Paul, to be a base man meant to be in want. Be in want. To suffer need. It meant to be hungry. <laughs> Excuse me. He says in verse 12, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Again, to, to be needy, to be hungry. You know, we're not talking here about a voluntary fast. There were times in Paul's life and ministry where food was on in short supply. In Acts 20 and verse 34, he says, Yea, yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that are with me. Verse, in chapter, or 1 Corinthians 4, verses 11 through 13, he says, Even unto this present hour, we, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. And labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it, being defamed, we entreat, we are made as the filth of the word and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. Now, to us in this modern age, in this age of affluence, we're kind of appalled at the idea that we might have to suffer need. You know, in a world of snowflakes, <laughs> that would be appalling. That would be horrific. You know what a snowflake is. It's a person who is considered unique and deserving special treatment. Safe spaces, you know. One school teacher said this, quote, I have 28 special snowflakes in my classroom, and their parents' demands make teaching impossible, unquote. They are easily offended, overly sensitive, emotionally fragile, and they need safe spaces and cannot engage with people who disagree with their beliefs. That's a snowflake. You know, to be abased, to abase meant to suffer need, to be in want. But this is often, many times, what real Christianity is and was. Hebrews 11 records for us in verses 36 through 38. 
It says, And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. I was reading just yesterday about some of the Waldensians and the hardships that they suffered. Being attacked by the Catholic Inquisition, they fled into the mountains that were snow-covered, without food, without shelter, to the elements. Many died, freezing to death, hypothermia. And many, of course, were put to the sword. You see, to Paul, it meant, he said, I have learned how to be abased. I've learned how to suffer need. I've learned how to do without. I've learned that. But the second thing he also learned was he learned how to abound. You know, his was, you could say, maybe a life of extremes. We often use the phrase, when it rains, it pours. You know? And it seems like Paul's life was like that. There was extremes. And of course, in the, in the way he traveled, and, and, you know, he, was either, he was either worshipped and greatly praised, or he was hated and stoned and, and tortured, and you know, it's one or the other. But he said, I know how to be abased. I know how to suffer need. I know how to do without. I know how to be destitute. I also know how to abound. I've learned that. You know, to abandon means to have an abundance, to have affluence, to have more than enough, more than needed. And you know, it takes grace to know how to abandon just as it is to know how to be abased, how to suffer need. It means you learn to discipline yourself not to trust in things. You know, Paul had to learn that he couldn't put his trust in things because though he may abound in one city and may be lavished with lots of things and provide lots of food and and many people there, that converts that would take care of him and supply his needs, he might go to another city and there'd be nobody that would do that. And so... He had learned to discipline himself, not to trust in things, not to count on it always being like that. Not to put an unhealthy value in wealth. There's nothing wrong with wealth. But we're not to put a, a, a wrong value on it or on things. And, but we are to be good stewards of the blessings of God. You know, the psalmist said, Psalm 49, 6 and 7, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them come by any means redeem his brother, nor give God a ransom for him. Psalm 62, 10, Trust not in oppression, become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. You know, Job was a man who who had wealth, and in a day it was gone. A day. I was overheard a conversation and joined the conversation of a couple men at another church, former church. 
one of the men was retired. He had been in the military, and he had some investments. And he said this, because this is soon after Obama got elected. He said, I lost $150,000 in a month's time. It can go like that. So don't trust in that. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, Paul would write to Timothy, he said, Charge them in the rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. See, we, need, we also need to learn how to abound. To be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Paul said, I have learned. I've learned how to abase. I've learned how to abound. Second thing he says, I am instructed. In verse 12 again, I know both how to be abased and know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. To be instructed means to every condition, to all several circumstances of life, have I become accustomed. I have been so disciplined by experience that, by, that whatsoever my lot by, be my lot, I can endure. So the idea is here is to accustom one to a thing. You know, when you live without certain things, you don't miss them. You don't miss them. If you never had them. You know, I grew up without TV. We never had it. And kids at school would say, you don't have TV? How do you, how do you live without TV? And I, I look at them like, where'd you come from? I didn't know any different. I didn't miss it because we didn't have it. We become accustomed to it. You know, you come accustomed to the fact that you went bare feet in the summer. You come accustomed to the fact that you wore hand-me-down clothes and you didn't buy designer jeans. Not that I would anyway, but, um, you know, you come accustomed to certain things. And, and, and so you come instructed in those things. You know, and, and the Lord, and here's the beauty of it, the Lord is the complete and complex instructor. He gives us instructions concerning everything. Paul said this in verse 12 again, I know both how to be based and know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed. Everywhere in all things. Somebody has said, quote, get all the education you can. Master as much of the intensive fields of knowledge as possible, but with all you're getting, get wisdom. Remember always that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Know history and experience the history of redemption. Study geography and learn the way to the river of life and the city whose builder and maker is God. Study geology and plant your feet upon the rock of ages. Study zoology and bow in reverence before the majesty of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Study biology and begin now. Life eternal. Study botany and yield your, sweet, your soul to the sweet influence of its rose of Sharon and lily of the valley. Study astronomy and follow the gleam of your soul's bright and morning star that has risen with healing in its beams. Study psychology 
and sit at his feet of him who knew what was in man. Study law and light your torch in the flame that burned on Mount Sinai. Study medicine and keep in rapport with a great physician. Study business administration and be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Study philosophy and remember always that the highest philosophy is the formula of a perfect life. Unquote. See, the Word of God is a complete book of instructions. It instructs us in how to know the person and character of God. It also instructs us how to live and please Him. 2 Peter 1, 3 says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 104, Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Therefore I esteem, verse 128, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. In John 6, 45, the Lord said, It is written in the prophets, They shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. You know, Paul would write to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 4 and verses 20 through 23. He says, Ye have not so learned Christ, if so be they have heard him, have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then in the rest of the chapter, he begins to give practical instruction for living for the Lord. For things that pertain to life and godliness. He says, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Let him that stole steal more no more, but rather let him work to have to give to him that needeth. And he goes on. Children, obey your parents. Walk as children of the light. Uh, husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands, so on and so forth. But here in the context of Philippians, Paul is telling us, by inspiration of God, how God instructed him to be content in every circumstance of life. It was Paul that penned Romans 8, 28 and 29, which says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You know, God allows and uses all things for the purpose of refining us into his image or the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Malachi chapter 3, Malachi chapter 3, Speaking about the day of the Lord, the prophet Malachi prophesying to the nation of Judah. In Malachi 3, verses 2 to 6, he says, But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old, and as in former years. And I will come near to you to judgment, 
And I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. You know, the day of the Lord's coming will be a time that Israel will be purged by trials and tribulation. What we know as tribulation period, spoken of in Daniel chapter 9, where he's going to purify them. And, and so he's going to sit as a refiner, a purifier of silver. You know, purifying was not a pleasant process. You know, Romans 8.28, that's what that's about. It's about purifying us. It's not a pleasant process. And he says that all things work together for good. The good, bad, and the ugly. As James tells us, divers temptations, knowing that they worketh patience. In Ephesians, Paul speaks of this also in Ephesians chapter 1. I want to go there. Verses 7 through 12. says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure of his, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together and one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have attained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him. Now that word predestinated means that which he is bringing to pass, that which he has determined should happen. So he has predestinated us, According to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Why? That we should be the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. See, circumstances of life, pleasant and unpleasant for the Christian, are the working in our lives to bring about the praise of his glory. It is the trials of life that develop character in our lives. And it was the trials that in Paul's life that developed the character and brought him to the place where he could say, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17, He says, for which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Though I'm I'm faced death every day. I don't know if I'm going to live or die every day. What it does is it compels me to trust the Lord every day. Commit my keeping to him every day. Verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You know, we often say, well, it was just an accident. Was it? Ephesians 1.11 says that he worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Was it just an accident? Or was it in the plan of God? Or was it a wake-up to righteous call? 
You know, Rehoboam, the king, the son of Solomon, forsook God when he was strong, when he was strong, and God sent a wake-up call. Pharaoh, came, king of Egypt, came up with a small army and defeated and took Jerusalem and, 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 and entered into Jerusalem, took the gold and silver and the precious things and left Rehoboam in a weak state. Why? Because Rehoboam had forsaken God. It was a wake-up call. You see, what really, what seemed bad was really a blessing from God. For it saved Judah from destruction and deportation at that time. Because Rehoboam turned to God as a result. And so, Paul says, Oh, I have learned. I've been instructed. God has instructed me. God also instructs us, of course, how to enjoy abundance, to be good stewards of what God has given us. You know, Abraham uh, had, had, had much goods. Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek. Ephesians 4 says that we're to give to him that needeth. Uh, uh, the First Corinthians, or 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, warns us, Charge them that are rich in this world, that be not high-minded, nor trust them in certain riches, but in living God, which giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that may lay hold on eternal life. And so, if God gives us things, we ought to use those things for His glory. And there's also the... God gives us a, a principle in the Bible of investment. Look at, look at uh, uh, well, I'll just read it here. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 says this. You're familiar with this verse, I think. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Having no guide, overseer, ruler. Provideth her meat in summer and gathereth her food in harvest. You know what the ant does? Though they have no guide, they lay up in store for winter is coming. That's the principle of investment. For future needs. And so, we need to be wise stewards. God instructs us how, in His Word, both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere in all things. Then I'll notice the third thing here. Not only I have learned, I am instructed but I can do. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Probably one of the most quoted texts, verses in the New Testament. And probably most of the times taken out of context. I can do is really one word. It means to be a force, to be able, to have ability, power, or skill. You know, Acts 19.20 says, So mighty grew the word of God and prevailed. The word strengtheneth means to make strong. Endue with strength. And so the question we ought to ask ourselves, what can I do? Well, Paul, under inspiration, says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. All things. The sky is the limit. In other words, I can do anything that God in His Word instructs or commands me to do. 
You know, in context, it means I can learn what it means and to live being in need. To suffer. I can learn to suffer. You know, learning to be in need, I want you to think about this a little bit. Learning to be in need, learning to suffer was probably very, very difficult for this once proud, self-righteous Pharisee. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees and very proud of it. He was one who was used to affluence, wealth, tutored by Gamaliel, one of high reputation, a doctor of the law in Jerusalem, the school of schools of, the, of that day, used to being the one in control, being the one inflicting want or causing suffering. Now, by his suffering, his Lord is being glorified. See, Paul says, I can do this through Christ which strengthens me. I can suffer for the Lord, but only through Him. In Galatians chapter 6, he speaks of this. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 14, he says, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. As man is a walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy upon the Israel of God. For from henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. See, he had learned to suffer for the Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Nearing the end of his life, Paul writes to Timothy in in verses 9 through 18. He says, Do thy diligence come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Antichicus have I sent unto Ephesus, the cloak that left of Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his words, works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly restored our words. And my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me, and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, Paul says, through Christ my Lord, I can do this. I can stand when all others forsake me. When all others forsake you, will you say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me?
See, the Lord is the Lord who strengthens us. It was the Lord who enabled Paul, counting him faithful, putting him into the ministry. It was the Lord who strengthened Joseph. In, in Genesis 49, <coughs> in, uh, and Jacob was blessing his sons. He said this concerning Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by well, whose branches run over all. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. In 1 Thessalonians 5.24, Paul would write to the church of Thessalonica and say this, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. See, God doesn't ask anything of us that He will not give us the strength, the power, and the ability to do. Whether it's a task, whether it's an overcome a temptation, whatever it might be. God is able to give you strength to endure the hardships and disappointments of life. God is able to give you strength to know how to abound. You know, Moses suffered affliction with the people of God, for he endured him as seeing him as who is invisible. See, we need to see him with the eye of faith in all circumstances. And we simply need to trust him and allow him to strengthen us. Through good times or bad. You know, Charles Weigel, he was an itinerant evangelist and songwriter. Greatly used of the Lord. One day he returned home after a preaching evangelistic meeting and found a note from his wife. It simply read, I'm leaving, Charlie. I don't want to live the life you're living. I want to go the other way to the bright lights. Add insult to injury, she had taken their only daughter with her. That night, Charlie Weigel wandered the streets alone. Finally winding up at the end of the pier at Biscayne Bay, where he contemplated suicide. However, despite all that had happened to him, he vowed to live his life for the Lord Jesus. Approximately eight months later, he met his estranged wife in Los Angeles. She mocked him by telling him of the sins she had committed. Sadly, a couple years later, she lay on her deathbed, her daughter by her side. Remembering the life she had lived with Weigel, she turned to her daughter and said, quote, If you know where your father is, please ask him to pray for me and see if God can forgive a sinner such as I. Unquote. Five years later, Charles Weigel sat down at the piano thinking about all that God had brought him through and he wrote these words. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus since I found him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. 
No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There is no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me. All my heart was full of misery and woe. Jesus placed his strong and loving arms about me, and he led me in the way I ought to go. Every day he comes to me with new assurance. More and more I understand his words of love, but I'll never know just why he came to save me till someday I see his blessed face above. You see, the Lord, with the Lord's strength, we can do all things through Christ. We can learn to be content in every circumstance, in every situation. Knowing that God is good and worketh all things after the counsel of His will, that we might be to the praise of His glory. Paul said, I have learned. I have learned. Are you learning or are you resisting? I don't know about you, but there were lots of fellow students in school when I was going to school that didn't want to learn. You know what really the right description for that is? They're resisting. They were resisting to learn. See, God wants us to learn to be content. He allows experiences into our life that are not pleasant sometimes. So that we might learn to be content. Are you allowing God to use the circumstances in your life to perfect that which concerneth you?